Hello and welcome. The Setting Apart podcast is a pit stop where you can get nourished, encouraged, and refreshed whenever you need a break. I am your host, IP, and every episode I get to share my stories, my outlook, my reflections on all things inspired through the lens of faith. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, and chill. Words have power. The things we say, the choice of words we use, have efficacious effects. Encouraging words can make you feel elated, whereas disparaging words can make you feel deflated. However, sometimes the same word you use can mean different things to different people. For example, some of the words that are part of the common vocabulary used in the army, at least in my days, when used in our society, could be considered profanity or even verbal abuse, and you could be sued for them. That's the double standard world that we live in. A double standard is a rule or principle that is unfairly applied in different ways to different people or groups. For example, when a man has gray hair, he looks distinguished. But when a woman has gray hair, she looks old. Perhaps a more severe form of double standard is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is doing the things you tell people not to do. You tell your spouse or partner to be prudent in expenditures, for example, yet you spend frivolously on yourself. That would be hypocritical. Then, there are other nuances of double standard. Certain words of tone of voice which may not bother you, but could be hurtful to those on the receiving end. In a passionate discussion, There is a natural tendency for us to raise our voice in order to plead our case. I know I do. And when the volume picks up, argument rears its ugly head. And no matter who wins the argument, someone gets hurt. Nobody wins. It's a lose-lose in my book. Do you remember when was the last time that happened to you? I remember it vividly as if it happened yesterday. I don't remember who won the argument, but I remember feeling pretty lousy no matter who won. That's a lose-lose outcome no matter how you slice it. Words have power. They could either be life-giving or life-taking. So use your words responsibly. My sharing for this episode is based on a scripture reading from the book of Tobit, chapter 2. Now, before we begin, let's have a quick recap of the three key takeaways from chapter 1. First, Tobit is a pious man. He is faithful, not only in keeping the law and tradition, but also in carrying out the Lord's charitable deeds, a good example of how faith and works look like in action. Second, he is able to live out the faith and good works as prescribed by Yahweh because of his love of God. As he says in 
chapter 1, verse 12, because I was mindful of God with all my heart. According to St. Paul, we are created in the image of God to do the good works of God. As it is written in Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are God's work of art, created in Jesus Christ for the good works which God has already designated to make up our way of life. So, doing the good works of Jesus Christ is part of the mission of our Christian life. Third, have faith. God is never far from us as he protects and restores Tobit in his time of need. In fact, God has always been faithful to us despite our unfaithfulness repeatedly. If you haven't listened to Tobit chapter 1, I would suggest you first check out Fidelity to God in the last episode to get some context for the book of Tobit. And if you're wondering why am I covering Tobit, feel free to check out the introduction in episode 1. Now, the Bible I'm reading from is the New American Bible or the NAB online version taken from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or the USCCB website. I will leave a link in the episode note below for your reference. I invite you to read along with me if you can. For those of you who have a Catholic Bible, you can use whatever version you have to read along. And for those of you who do not have a Catholic Bible, you are welcome to read along using the online version from the USCCB website or just chill and listen. Starting this season, our podcast will also be available on YouTube channel. Do share with your friends and families about it. Because the neat thing about YouTube is that you can listen and read along with the closed caption or subtitle on YouTube. So, essentially, that could be another option for you to listen and read along with me. I will leave you the YouTube link below for your reference. Now, let us take a moment to quiet down our heart and begin with a brief opening prayer before we listen to the Word of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name, to listen attentively to you. As it is written, as your word unfolds, it gives light. Even the simple understand. We pray that the Holy Spirit in our midst could guide us in opening our ears and our heart to be enlightened by your word. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tobit chapter 2 Thus, under King Hesahadan, I returned to my home, and my wife Anna and my son Tobiah were restored to me. Then on our festival of Pentecost, the holy feast of weeks, a fine dinner was prepared for me, and I reclined to eat. The table was set for me, and the dishes placed before me were many. So I said to my son Tobiah, Son, 
go out and bring in whatever poor person you find among our kindred, exile here in Nineveh, who may be a sincere worshipper of God, to share this meal with me. Indeed, son, I shall wait for you to come back. Tobiah went out to look for some poor person among our kindred, but he came back and cried, Father, I said to him, Here I am, son. He answered, Father, one of our people has been murdered. He has been thrown out into the marketplace, and there he lies strangled. I sprang to my feet, leaving the dinner untouched, carried the dead man from the square, and put him in one of the rooms until sundown, so that I might bury him. I returned and washed, and in sorrow ate my food. I remembered the oracle pronounced by the prophet Amos against Bethel. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into dirges. Then I wept. At sunset, I went out, dug a grave, and buried him. My neighbors mocked me, saying, Does he have no fear? Once before he was hunted to be executed for this sort of deed, and he ran away. Yet here he is again, burying the dead. That same night, I washed, and I went into my courtyard, where I lay down to sleep beside the wall. Because of the heat, I left my face uncovered. I did not know that sparrows were perched on the wall above me. Their warm droppings settled in my eyes, causing white scales on them. I went to doctors for a cure, but the more they applied ointments, the more my vision was obscured by the white scales, until I was totally blind. For four years, I was unable to see, and all my kindred were distressed in my condition. A hiker, however, took care of me for two years, until he left for Elam. At that time, my wife Anna worked for hire at weaving cloth, doing the kind of work women do. When she delivered the material to her employers, they would pay her a wage. On the seventh day of the month of Dystrus, she finished the woven cloth and delivered it to her employers. They paid her the full salary and also gave her a young goat for a meal. On entering my house, the goat began to bleat. So I called to my wife and said, Where did this goat come from? It was not stolen, was it? Give it back to its owners. We have no right to eat anything stolen. But she said to me, It was given to me as a bonus over and above my wages. Yet I would not believe her and told her to give it back to its owners. I flushed with anger at her over this. So she retorted, Where are your charitable deeds now? Where are your righteous acts? Look, all that has happened to you is well known. End of reading. 
So from verses 1 to 3, a couple of themes jump out at me. First, the obedience of Tobit's son, Tobiah. It is a recurring theme you can look out for in the book of Tobit. The obedience of Tobiah reminds me of Jesus' obedience of God the Father and also the sending of Tobiah to invite the poor to the Feast of Pentecost as the Father wishes also reminds me of how Jesus is sent by God the Father to do His will. As Christians, we are sent by Jesus to not only spread the good news, but also to do the good works of Christ to the ends of the earth. And so today, how have we been doing that? Have we been keeping His commandments? Have we been loving God? And how have we been loving God? Are we living the life that is setting us apart from this world? Are we doing the will of the Lord, our God? Regardless of what stage we are at, I believe it is important to reflect and then set some goals to strive in doing better than what we are doing right up to this point. Take advantage of the new year to set some actionable plans for the year and keep track of the progress. Second, almsgiving and charity to the poor. These are important virtues taught by the book. What do you think could be the motivating factor for Tobit's desire to such charitable deeds? To me, the clue lies in his piety of the Lord our God. From the first three verses, Tobit and his family are celebrating the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. Let's recall what is prescribed to the Israelites on how to celebrate the feast in the Book of Law in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. Once again, that's Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. I will start from Verse 10. You shall then keep the feast of weeks for the Lord your God, and the measure of your own voluntary offering which you will give shall be in proportion to the blessing the Lord your God has given you. You shall rejoice in the presence of the Lord your God together with your son and daughter, your male and female slave, and the Levite within your gates, as well as the resident alien, the orphan, and the widow among you, in the place which the Lord your God will choose as the dwelling place of his name. Remember that you too were slaves in Egypt, so carry out these statues carefully. End of reading. And so, for the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost, it is an occasion to rejoice with family members and be charitable to the priests, the slaves, the orphans, the widows, and the strangers among you. But why the stipulation to be charitable? Well, as it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 12, Remember that you too were slaves in Egypt. 
In other words, do unto others as you would others do unto you, right? We can see that Tobit has been following the law pretty much to the letter here in chapter 2 and also in chapter 1, as it relates probably to the Feast of the First Fruits, where he pilgrimages a good 600 miles from Nineveh to Jerusalem, the dwelling place of God, to offer the first fruits and first flocks to the temple, gives tithes to the priests, the poor, and the converts in Jerusalem. Why? Because you were once a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God led you out of Egypt. And this is the heart of the Lord our God, isn't it? To look out for the poor and the needy. So remember that you were once a slave. You know what it's like to be a slave. You have no identity. There is no dignity. But God saved you and restored all that is lost. Be generous and charitable to those who are still in captivity. Treat them well and treat them with dignity. Do unto others as you would others do unto you. This is particularly true for burying the dead. Although Deuteronomy 16 doesn't stipulate it explicitly, it is written in Deuteronomy chapter 21, in particular verse 23, when it stipulates that you must bury corpse on the same day. Otherwise, according to Jeremiah chapter 16 verse 4, it may be food for the birds of the sky and for the beasts of the earth. In biblical times, it was the obligation of a Jewish family to care for their dead and bury or entomb them. The obligation to bury applies to every corpse, even criminals, who have been put to death, the unclaimed slain, suicides, and strangers to the community. To be denied burial was the most humiliating indignity that could be inflicted on the deceased, for it meant to become food for beasts of prey. Recall in Genesis, man has dominion over all the animals on earth. We are at the top of the food chain. But if we were to become the food for beasts of prey, we end up at the bottom of the chain. And so today, we are called to be generous to the poor and the needy, giving the way God gives and loving the way God loves. From the beginning of time, our Creator has given humankind the gifts of life and unconditional love. One day our God saw fit to give the first fruits of love for us, the sacrificial gift of an only Son, Jesus Christ. Today, we talk about stewardship more than about tithing when we give. The focus is not on what must we do, but on asking ourselves, what are we called to do? As the Second Vatican Council noted, God has poured out His love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the first and most necessary gift is charity, 
by which we love God above all things and our neighbor because of Him. And that's from Lumen Gentium number 42. As always, I will be posting all the quotations and resources in the show notes on our website. On another level today, we are still slaves to our sins. I mean, we're still living in captivity to the sin of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Let's work together and help each other to completely freed from our own captivity. Jesus gave his own life for us on the cross. He set an example for us of giving unconditionally and of sacrificing so that others might live. We walk in the footsteps of Christ when we give sacrificially a part of our substance so that others might live. The scriptures tell us that those who follow the example of Jesus will be the first fruits of the redemption. The reward to helping each other by sacrificing a part of our substance to one another is so that we too might live. I help you so that you might live, and you help me so that I might live. We help each other to be better, to be perfect, because our Father in heaven is perfect. Once we are perfected in love, that's when we truly belong. It is not about earning brownie points for our redemption, if you will. But if you think about it, when we help each other, we are helping ourselves. That is the beauty of God's plan. Do unto others as you would others do unto you. Another thing I would like to say about burying the dead is that it is a lot of work to dig a grave on your own. I mean, for those of us who have dug a foxhole before, you know exactly how much work I'm talking about. I remember the first time I did that in the army, in addition to the sheer physical feat. Man, I tell you, I had blisters on both my hands despite wearing gloves to dig. And so to me, it goes to show that faith and works go hand in hand together. In fact, according to the CCC or the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2447 or 2447, and I quote, The works of mercy are charitable action by which we come to the aid of our neighbor in his spiritual and bodily necessities, unquote. Again, the works here do not earn us any merit per se. I want to put that out there with no uncertainty. But it does help shape us to be better and hence help us to be a step closer to be perfected in love. To me, that is the essence of the works that is consistent in our Catholic teaching. Good works do not earn brownie points because as St. Paul teaches in Ephesians 2, there is nothing for us to boast about since our good works are given to us by the grace of the Lord our God. And that's from Ephesians 2 verse 9. But 
the good works we do in Christ can certainly bring us one step closer to perfection and love. Think about it. It is simple yet profound. Amen? Amen. Next, as the second chapter unfolds, Tobit faces more tragedies again. His neighbor mocked him. The birds actually blinded him from their droppings into his eyes, and he got into a fight with his wife over a goat. After burying the dead, the droppings from the sparrows above blinded Tobit. It could be that something unclean has blinded Tobit, right? But instead, this reminds me of Mark chapter 7, verse 15, when Jesus says, Nothing that goes into someone from the outside can make that person unclean. It is the things that come out of the person that makes that person unclean. In that context, the blindness that Tobit suffered, to me, could be his spiritual blindness. And that blindness is not caused by anything from without, but it is from within. For it is from within, from the heart, that evil intentions emerge. That's from Mark chapter 7, verse 21. And given the circumstances that Tobit has lost his wealth and now his sight and had to rely on his wife to sow for a living, it is a far cry from where he was in chapter 1. I believe it is Tobit's pride that contributed to his spiritual blindness, that he did not believe his wife and doubted her integrity and dignity, which is absolutely ironic, since if you think about it, he was the one preserving the integrity and dignity of his countrymen by burying the dead. Now, there is an important lesson we can take away from this spiritual blindness of Tobit, that despite his faith and fidelity to the Lord our God, despite the charitable deeds he has done for others, Tobit is not perfect and still has his work cut out for him. Blinded in his pride, Tobit got into a fight with his wife, Hannah. He did not believe her. He did not believe others could be charitable to them since he was mocked by his neighbors. And Tobit said something that hurt Hannah when he accused her of stealing the goat. We all have been there before, haven't we? Both of the wrongful accuser and the wrongfully accused. Imagine how you would feel if you were Hannah. Connecting the dots to my sharing for this episode at the top of the podcast, words are efficacious. If the choice of words and the tone of voice used are encouraging, they can be life-giving. Conversely, if the choice of words and the tone of voice used are disparaging, they can be life-taking. And so, um, when I have an argument with my wife, if I were to say something or raise the tone of my voice that could make her feel lousy, it doesn't matter if I want the argument. You know what I mean? If you love someone, you never want them to feel lousy in the first place, let alone being the source of them feeling lousy. 
no amount of pride of winning an argument can ever justify that. So this is a good reflection for me to be sensitive to my wife's feelings, not to use the words or the tone of voice that could make her feel lousy because words are efficacious. We got to use them wisely. And so today, are we examining ourselves if we are letting pride get in the way of our affairs? Are we letting pride get in the way when we are dealing with our loved ones? Are we hurting them because of our pride in spite of our love for them? Do unto others as you would others do unto you. The last thing I would say about the spiritual blindness of Tobit, pride is one of the tools Satan uses to tempt us. No matter how pious and charitable Tobit is, and he is extraordinarily pious and charitable. As it is written in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, the devil is always looking for the opportune moment to infiltrate our heart. If we do not overcome the pride of life, the floodgate to all the other sins will be opened. And judging from our track record, forget about it. We are no match against the devil. Therefore, it is an important reminder for us to remain vigilant against the temptation of the devil. We need the presence of Christ to help us ward off the evil one. But we also need to cooperate with Christ on our end. How can we do that? I will share a powerful technique in perhaps another episode. But for now, know that we need to cling on to Jesus to overcome the darkness and brokenness of our inmost heart. In closing, let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the gift of Tobit. Please continue to guide us who love you. Give us the strength to overcome the darkness in our heart so as to fill it only with your light as we ardently follow the footsteps of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Setting Apart podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and get notified so you won't miss any new episodes. And please feel free to give me your ratings and reviews so that others may get to listen as well. Thank you and God bless.